16 have been found guilty of the murder of a trans teenager in Cheshire. 16-year-old... 16 was stabbed with a hunting knife 28 times in her head, neck, chest and back in Lydia And the jury took just four hours and 40 minutes before it came back a few minutes ago and found both the defendants guilty. The girl who killed Brianna was fascinated by her. The boy referred to her as it. So we heard lots during this trial, didn't we? Just how big a part the dark web played in this crime. Yeah, we know that Girl X was consuming really dark, violent, sinister material on underground websites. So today, we wanted to find out a bit more about what she was consuming and how she was able to access these sites. Welcome to episode 11, The Dark Web. There were hundreds of messages sent between Girl X and Boy Y in the months before they murdered Brianna. This was just one of them. I love watching torture vids, real ones on the dark web. I've liked this stuff for a while. I finally found a good red room. She talked about red rooms. She talked about consuming really dark material on the dark web. And we found out a bit more about what she was accessing and how she was getting onto them. So we know, don't we, that six months before Brianna died, that Girl X downloaded the Tor, what's called the, the Onion browser. And we know that this gave her anonymity when she wanted to go onto these websites to look at this horrific torture and essentially people being tortured and killed. And that message was sent in around about December when she'd obviously realised that Boy Y was sharing this fascination she had with death and murder and felt comfortable enough to send him a link to a, a video on the dark web and say, you know, she was interested in going on these sites. I mean, there was no evidence that he looked at the video and there were some messages that showed that he actually was telling her to stay off it. I mean, he said, well, just make sure you don't get found out. And there was another exchange between them where he pretty much implied, you know, you need to wean yourself off them almost. And she said, well, why would I want to do that? Well, she didn't want to wean herself no. off them. And in fact, what we heard was a sort of evolution in what she was watching during lockdown. She was watching horror films on Netflix. So, you know, mainstream, still way over the age that she was, which was 13 at the time, 14 at the time. Films that she was watching during lockdown and putting on her social media that she wanted more. She wanted more films because she'd run out of them. We know she watched Sweeney Todd almost on repeat. Then she moved on to, as you said, downloading this browser and that gave her access to even darker sites. So what we wanted to do today was just trying to find out a bit more about all of this, um, what these sites are, where are they, how are they hidden and how does a 13, 14, 15-year-old access them without any repercussions whatsoever. You heard a bit from um, Professor Alan Woodward in the verdict episode earlier in the week, but we thought you might like to hear his interview in full. One of the reasons we wanted to chat to you on the podcast after we've had these the verdicts have come back now, um, was around the issue of, of exactly what 
was being accessed by certainly the girl X in this case, who was just 15 at the time. The Tor browser was the kind of first point in the murder timeline, I suppose, was um, flagged by the prosecution as the key point when she downloaded this Tor browser in August last year. But can you explain, Alan, what exactly a Tor browser is? Because I imagine that a lot of people will have no clue. Yeah, just walk us through what it is and, and if we should indeed as parents be utterly terrified of it. Well, the short answer is yes, as parents, you should be very aware and slightly scared of it. There's a place called the Tor Project, which is a perfectly valid website. Um, And the principle of onion rooting um, was developed by what became the Tor Project. And rather perversely, it was actually originally um, part funded by the US government um, through the US Navy. Um, And the reason is there is a very legitimate use for it. I'll explain what it is first. Let's suppose you want to visit a website, which is basically sending a request to a website, but you don't want anybody to know who you are. There are something like 5,000 Tor nodes out there, as they're called, um, and they're all run by volunteers. So you've no idea who these people are. And when you say, I want to go to address X, you basically write it down on a postcard, but you put it in the first envelope. It then randomly enters the network, the Tor network, and gets put inside another envelope and passed to the next person or the next node, and so on and so on and so forth, all in these little layered envelopes, um, all of which are secured cryptographically, and it pops out and it knows where to go. You can only get to certain websites using this process where it bounces around in the Tor network and pops out, called dot onion sites um so effectively you're visiting this website completely anonymously nobody can trace back who you are there's a sort of a um a similar way of running the websites as well so nobody knows who's running these websites they're completely anonymous you don't know where they're physically located but they're all dot onion sites there are a number of what you might think of as legitimate dot onion sites the bbc has an onion site um and it's just a mirror of its normal site And the reason they do it is because BBC.com, which is the international version, is blocked in a number of countries like Iran, China. But if you use the Tor browser, they don't know you're looking at it. So you've probably heard people talk about virtual private networks. This is kind of better than a virtual private network. There's all sorts of ways of people who might be under duress in some foreign land being able to actually get out to a dot onion site just using the Tor browser. And the Tor browser is the only way of accessing these .onion sites. And that's freely downloadable from the Tor project. So a teenager could do it within a couple of minutes. In fact, I was just looking at the metrics earlier on, number of users. At the moment, we're standing at about 5 million users. So that's the number of users. And if we look at the number of Onion services that are out there, so literally as we speak, three quarters of a million so there's, there's, there are three quarters of a million sort of hidden services out there that you can only access through the dot onion side. Um, some of them are legit, like BBC and Twitter and all this, and some of them not. I mean, is it literally like you type something into what looks like Google? It's like a search bar, is it? That's one of the drawbacks of the dark web. The the addresses are, for example, this this website called Drugula. Um, is uh, is Drugula 44 BRM pin 5W and then there's a sequence of about 30 
random letters dot onion. Um, there aren't any search engines for it. So what happens is the way people you say, you think, well, how do people find this? Um, and what happens is most people will know, most teenagers even will know how to download the tour. But how do you find a drug site? How do you find one of these dark markets? Well, it used to be that there were ordinary sites that would list them, but they've progressively been closed down. Um, and so now it gets sort of past kind of word of mouth, really. I mean, there are chat sites on social media as well. One of the problems is that the algorithms of social media tend to, anybody that's expressed even the vaguest um, interest in something gets pushed towards other people with the same interest and they all get scrunched up and then they start sharing um, start sharing these dot onion addresses. And that's, that's how they go. That's how they find it. Um, and there are some deeply disturbing ones. I mean, what would you, what would you like to buy today? Everything from you know meth, crystal meth to LSD, you know, arrive in the post um, two days time. I completely understand why you know what you've explained about the legitimate use of of the Tor browser for you know people who are stuck in countries where there there is a lack of freedom. But there's no difference in a way the way you access it and what you can get to between these, as you just said, completely illegitimate, illegal, horrific sites. You're spot on. Absolutely spot on. And it's it's the bane of the of law enforcement. I, I used to advise Europol and we were always looking for ways to um, close these things down. And what one of the one of the things that has been quite successful, um, the largest dark markets um we have been able to close down. Um and they but they took a long time. I mean they've taken many years of work to close down. And this page, as displayed here, gives away one of the ways that we've actually been able to trace some of the people or some of these sites where they physically are. Because if you see at the very top, it says you have JavaScript enabled. If you are able to get a little bit of JavaScript onto one of these websites, and that's the difficulty, <laughs> um, then you can actually find out what someone's real IP address is. What's happened over time is that uh, various police forces have managed to um, basically hack into um, various services or they watch the administrators of the sites and wait for them to make a mistake and they always make a mistake. We're going to pause there for a quick break. We know that Girl X was looking at torture sites on this Onion browser then. So she wouldn't be able to kind of just search murder and torture. She would she would have been, what, pushed that way via chat rooms? Yes. I mean, you, you couldn't just go on the dark web and say, oh, sh show me some snuff sites or, you know, somebody being tortured or beheaded or whatever it is you fancy. Um, you, you have to, she would have to have been told that. Um, it happens most often that the ones that are most um, prolific are the extreme dieting sites um, where a lot of people get pushed together on social media. They get told about where to go on the dark web. And then there's all the sort of things about basically how to starve yourself to death. You get pushed together with um, like minded people and they they know the dot onion address and they share it with you. Which explains why she said in that message. I've managed to find a decent red room. Red rooms are where blood is involved, where people are being tortured and you know are either killed or um, being abused 
so, you know, physically, um, where, you know, people draw blood. And it can be, I mean, and it can be anywhere in the world um, because, of course, it can be streamed. Like, I, I, you know, I'm talking to you from the middle of Wiltshire, but I could be in Timbuktu um, or I could be some poor little child in India or wherever. Um, you know, it's very difficult to trace those back. And the, 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 the real problem is that when they talk about something like a red room, um, it can be static imagery, but sometimes it can be live streaming. And those are very difficult to get to. When you say difficult to get to? You have to be very patient, try lots of things out on the site in order to track it. Uh, the, the type of policing that works is very, I'm, I'm afraid it's quite um, labour intensive, but it's good old fashioned undercover policing. You, you basically have, you know, someone like me, um, if, if it's child abuse imagery, you know, um, pretending to be an 11 year old girl or something like that. And you go into these, you, you go into these rooms and wait to be groomed by some paedophile um, or wait till you can find out who the administrator is and then get to them and close the site down. So are you kind of saying then, Alan, that she would have had to be quite savvy to have found these sites? You know, it's not the actions of someone that's kind of downloading the, the Tor browser and then stumbling across it. Oh, no, 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 no. As I say, what you typically find is when you search, you find other people who direct you and then one site will quite often direct you to another. So you, once the more you use it, the more you know. Obviously, all these sites sound horrific. That, you know that goes without saying. But if you've got a teenage a teenager accessing them, a, a young person accessing them, there's absolutely nothing to stop that happening. Apart from, I'm afraid to say, the parent knowing what the child is doing and keeping an eye on their machine, their phone, their device, whatever it is. Um, and seeing if they have installed something, the, the Tor browser or a virtual private network and asking them, what are they using it for? I mean, there are there are bits of software you can install on children's devices, um, which are sort of nanny software effectively. So it, it will block certain sites, um, but it's very difficult to block sites that you don't know about. And, and Dot Onion sites are very difficult to block anyway, especially if they have downloaded the Tor browser because most of these bits of censoring software don't know, they don't cater for the for the Tor browser. Um, so you, I'm afraid it's um, looking over their shoulder and seeing what they're doing. Alan, what would you do if you, if, I don't know if you've got kids, but if you, if you had teenagers, is it just about talking to them then and just making sure that they're being responsible young people? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I do have kids, um, six of them. Luckily, they're all grown up now. But I do remember when they were teenagers and early 20s and um, I had to educate them in everything like this, you know, going all the way from receiving spoof emails and being scammed through to, you know, what not to start searching for. We really should make the point that the vast majority of children are responsible online. The, the, the danger and the scary bit is they only need to express um, uh, the tiniest interest in something which may be actually misunderstood by the algorithm. They may be expressing interest in something else and they'll slowly suddenly start to get, it'll happen in all sorts of social medias. You've seen it yourself, I'm sure. You slowly get pushed together. I, I really don't like it at all. That's why I don't look, use Facebook. And a big part of this case, Alan, is that um, fantasy tipped over into reality. The, the, the psychologists call it disinhibition and the internet leads to a lot of criminal activity because 
it's it's seen as fantasy. In fact, a lot of the a lot of the youngsters who are very very clever are groomed into doing cybercrime, for example, online by organized crime gangs, um, and they they're groomed like they groom the youngsters for sex. I mean, they they sort of bring them in and say, "Oh, I, I bet you can't do that." Just you know, getting them to show off, they suddenly find they're on the wrong side of the law. And in fact, places like GCHQ have got whole campaigns where they're trying to get to youngsters of eleven and twelve before they get got at and by the dark side. The the real issue is that you can't be with them 24 hours a day, but just look for the big signs. Like, are they using the Tor browser? And if so, what for? Because of the back of this case, someone has lost their life in the most horrendous of ways. Does it prompt any sort of resolve from government to say, we have to stop teenagers accessing these sites? We've just had the online safety bill passed in this country. Now the online safety act. That's trying to. That's just trying to stop things on the publicly accessible web. It doesn't do anything for 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 illegal sites because they they don't know how to get to them. I mean, what's actually happening in the background is the police forces, the law enforcement agencies, uh, national crime agency people like that are developing more and more techniques where they can try and un- unmask these sites. What you need to do is close down the sites. That's where the main thrust is, and it's it's happening all the time. But unfortunately. Um, not fast enough to prevent tragedies like this. So basically, Liz, I suppose what Alan was saying there is that at the same time as not being able to stand guard over your teenagers as they're on a computer, um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Mm. and we're all in that boat of not knowing exactly what our children are consuming and just hoping and praying and doing as much as you can to make sure that what they're consuming is safe for them. The key point he's making really about the broader authorities is there's very little anyone can do to touch these sites. Because they're all hosted in foreign countries and they're behind layers and layers of anonymity. So they're really, they're difficult to get onto, but they're difficult to trace for the authorities as well. So, I mean, I think as parents what Alan was saying is you know just make sure you talk to your kids and make sure you kind of are aware what they're looking at and if they've got a tour browser ask them why they've got it but also the good old-fashioned police work undercover police work is what shuts these sites down but he gave us the numbers you're talking about millions of users Mm. and hundreds of thousands of different sites all hosted as you said all over the world, it wraps up in all of these layers of anonymity. So it does feel that, you know, uh, the vast majority of the web that you and I might be accessing mm. is out there and, and in the public domain is a very tiny minority of the web. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there is some... Someone's used an, an iceberg analogy to me before where... Um, most of the web is actually the dark web and then the icebergs, the, 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 the real web is the tiny bit of iceberg that sits at the top. What was interesting though, I also thought, was that Girl X wasn't stumbling across sites that were horrific. She was actively going to find them and what he also said was that she probably knew where she was going. She knew what she was looking for. And the algorithm, once, once you kind of express even the tiniest bit of interest, pushes you towards more people with the same kind of warped fantasies I suppose and the more you see the more that you get exposed to so that's it for today and for this year 
We'll be back in the new year when the sentencing of Girl X and Boy Y will take place. We know that's on the 2nd of February. And at that point, Liz will also be able to tell you their names. Yes, and in the meantime, you can follow us on X at The Trial Podcast and contact us, thetrial at mailmetromedia.co.uk. You can leave a comment on Spotify or even send us a voice note on WhatsApp on 07796 657 512. Start your message with the word trial. See you then. 